Oh, I had to sit there and listen to all that yap, yap, yap. Oh, Brad and Angelina. Text me, text me, text me. The never-ending fountain of fat, stupid trivia. I deserve a hole to open. Hold to open. Yes, and what do you do? I'm making up as I go along. But trust me, I've got a history. For better or for worse. Here comes the drums. Oh, here it comes, the sound of drums. Here come the drums, here come the drums. Dun, 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 dun. Hello, and welcome to Pull to Open, an ongoing quest to watch all of Doctor Who, all of it, the entire television program in random order. I'm Pete Paschal. And I'm Chris Taylor, and we're a couple of journalists, a couple of Who fans, a couple of very excited Who fans today, because mm-hmm. we are coming to you from Sunday, October the 23rd. Um, at least a week in your past, and uh, it's Regeneration Day. Mm, uh, happy Regeneration cute. Day, Pete. Happy Regeneration Day to you, Chris. Yeah, it seems to come earlier every year or every three or four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited about the power of the doctor at the screening later today, and I'm excited to talk about our episode today on pull to open but pete uh yeah where where have we been well we've been all over the place <laughs> um we've been yo-yoing between old who and new who in the last few weeks so previously on pull to open we were at a couple of jody whitaker uh series 11 episodes rosa and the witch finders we did those back to back that's right apparently the randomizer wanted us to get our taste our fix of the whitaker era before uh it's over before it ends happening happening today for for us yeah we could go for everyone listening uh or perhaps even later and then it rocketed us back into the classic series we were uh all the way back to a trouton era missing episode fury from the deep a little bit less missing than it used to be because there's the animation that's been Mm -hmm. around for the past Mm -hmm. couple of years so uh, we were able to take that in and then we leapt forward in time to a notorious episode by the name of time flight that's right Um, yeah from missing episode to missing concord (laughs) <laughs> exactly uh but uh that was a great one for us i mean we also had a special guest that week christopher burgess from radio free scarrow took some time to help us with a little commentary there so thanks again chris yeah yeah thanks so much for that chris that was, it was really cool to uh nerd out about that um thoroughly enjoyed that that episode and yeah looking forward to yeah. talking about what we've got coming up which this is, is- <laughs> Yeah, it's taken us all the way back into New Who. Thank you, Randomizer. Thanks to uh, Chris's spin of the Randomizer, actually. And we are at the 2006 Christmas special, The Runaway Bride. Which may. Nice, yes. (laughs) Just pure coincidence, by the way, that my Halloween costume this year. Happy (laughs) Halloween, everyone, by the way, because I know it's two days for people listening for most of you. uh, Is David Tennant. And it's one of the doctors I have never been as. as, as ha- Halloween, oh. I've, done, I've done Davison way back in the day when wow. I was like a kid. I've done Matt Smith, um, and I've done Tom Baker because everyone's done Tom Baker, right? Right, right. Pod, exactly. But I've never done Tenant, um, probably because I, um, I have a pinstripe suit, 
but I didn't have the rest of it, right? I feel like I, the brown coat is a bit of an investment. And uh, I finally found this kind of fun cosplay cheap one on, on eBay, which is pretty close. Huh. Uh, and so... Did it advertise uh, itself it. as, a, as a tenant coat on eBay? Is that... No, it didn't. It just kind of like a, a sort of a long raincoat. And, but at one of the reviews said, pretty good for that Doctor Who look. And I was like, Interesting. okay. Interesting. Yeah. This is my thing. But yeah, That's... it puts my, uh, my old, my sonic screwdriver that I've had forever, I guess, like, well, whenever this came out, 2006 or so. And very, was... very appropriate for The Runaway Bride, which is a very sonic heavy episode. Mm. Yes. So yeah. maybe that's the, the connection here. It is because, because we had of... the, we, the original Sonic <laughs> Screwdriver appearance in Fury from the Deep, and boom, here we right. are. Right, and then we were Sonicless, very, uh, you know, very Sonicless in in Time Flight. Its absence was was really notable, um, mm. and and here it's back, and how it's back. Um, but yes, uh, we we should talk briefly about the the upcoming regeneration tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm uh, very yeah. excited to see what happens. We don't know. We have a few theories. We're not going to uh, sound too stupid by <laughs> outlining them. <laughs> a week it's after, made... everyone knows. I know, yeah. exactly. I'm just going That's funny to... Because they, they did the press screening that they specifically didn't do the regeneration scene. Right? So nobody, like, nobody outside of the, you know, the inner, inner, inner circle really knows still in the world. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it is important to note that here in in on Sunday, October the twenty third at ten o two a.m. Uh, San Francisco time. Uh, Pete's a little bit ahead of me on the East Coast. We're waiting for the show to screen at eight p.m. Your time is that correct? That is um, correct. BBC and uh, yeah, we don't. All all I will say about the regeneration is maybe, in the words of Luke Skywalker, this is not going to go the way that we think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but we'll see, yes. we'll mo- see. This, the, i'd say the moment has been over prepared for <laughs> yes it really has my goodness um in so many ways so many directions and yeah. uh yeah we know that that uh tenant and uh donna are coming back ten and donna right. I, I sort of mix up the names of the actors and the names of the uh, uh characters but they're coming back, so it's it's such yep. a great time to be watching The Runaway Bride. It feels so right. Yeah. Um, I'm looking it's forward perfect. to it. Perfect. First taste of Tenant and Tate. But before that, we need to enter the pull-to-open feedback loop. Here we are in the yes. feedback loop. And normally we talk about reviews, and we will in a minute. But I also kind of wanted to talk a little bit about our rankings, at least according to Chartable. Mm. Uh, and where uh, people in the world are enjoying the podcast, which is all over the world. But in particular, I want to shout out to our fans in the Netherlands. Yes. They seem to be some of our most dedicated ones. Uh, we always rise to the close to the top of the charts there for TV reviews when we upload something. Uh, so thank you in yeah. Dutch. I should probably have checked how to say thank you in Dutch before. I they they are so good at English. They are so good at English. Aren't it's they? okay. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, but it's it's fantastic. Yeah, please uh, do leave us a review, folks in the Netherlands. Um, perhaps with a with a little Netherlands flag next to it, just so so we know you're representing. Um, yeah. It's very exciting that that we've been picked up there. Uh, we also seem to be hot in uh, in the UK. In, in yeah, I mean, not unexpected. And uh, in particular, one of our recent episodes, "The Fury from the Deep," uh, maybe because we talked a lot about North Sea gas. 
that could be it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of a, you know, people are concerned about the price of gas at the moment. So that makes sense. Yeah. So we always uh, big shout out to our fans in Great Britain. Yes. Um, shout out to anyone who was looking for a podcast on North Sea Gas and came across Fury from the Deep. I don't know how <laughs> helpful we were, but uh, hope you enjoyed the weed. Yes, always good to get some uh, weed into your. Um, yeah, maybe maybe <laughs> that's why we're a big deal in the Netherlands. I don't know. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Now I'm putting <laughs> this all together. So perhaps related, also New Zealand. Thank you very much for our great fans there. We're rising in the charts, and in particular, I guess the Witchfinders was a big deal back there. I don't know if witch trials were ever a thing in New Zealand, but maybe no. they're just fascinated by them uh, being part of the Commonwealth. I yes, please write in New Zealand listeners and let us know why the Witchfinders might be a big deal there. Are there lots of uh, mud creatures in New Zealand? Maybe is mm. that is that it? Is it the Morax? They, they did film Lord of the Rings there, right? That so they like did. The, the Urukai were kind of like mm. mud creatures of this, in a sense. That's I mean, I guess an yeah. interesting connection. Yeah, you might have nailed yeah. it. There it is. Boom. But <laughs> all that this randomizer has trained me to find connections everywhere. It really is. Um, it's pattern matching training. I, we, we are pattern matching creatures. So this is especially interesting. So thanks, everybody, worldwide. We will continue to give you podcasts, <laughs> whether you like it or not. Wow, I just turned into Colin Baker there for a second. <laughs> um, but no, thanks. Really, it's truly great. Again, uh, as Chris said, uh, if you can leave a review, if you're enjoying the podcast, we'd really appreciate it. Do you know why that is, Chris? Why, uh, why reviews, reviews are so important? help us get seen in more places and, and surfaces in the search results so that when you're searching for a Doctor Who podcast, you'll come across Pull to Open more quickly. Exactly. The best place to leave reviews is the Apple Podcasts app. We realize not everyone listens on Apple Podcasts, but if you have an iPhone or a Mac, please uh, head on over there and leave a review. If you don't have one of those things, perhaps a friend does. Yeah. And otherwise, you can catch us on any of our other platforms. We're on YouTube, of course, at pull to, sorry, youtube.com slash pull to open, though someday mm -hmm. when we reverse time, we'll be at pull to open.com slash YouTube. That's right, YouTube. Um, How do you like it now? <laughs> Or uh, TikTok at pull to open, or Twitter and Instagram at pull to open sixty three. Drop us a line there, and, or uh, leave some comments, and we'd love to chat with you. And if you if you don't have an iPhone, and because we do love the the reviews on Apple Podcasts, that does seem to be the most effective service. Uh, you know, the Runaway Bride reminds us that people used to just uh, borrow each other's cell phones. Um, right. So maybe just walk up to someone in the street who's got an iPhone and be like, "Hey, do you mind? I I just need to leave a quick review on Apple Podcasts. Are you good with that?" You know, might make a new friend. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Might make a new friend with the policeman who takes you away and <laughs> goes you in, in, in the slammer for will, using someone's iPhone. It will certainly be a story, and uh, certainly the fact that you were arrested for trying to review Pull to Open uh, would be huge <laughs> for us. I'm thinking oh, wow. ma major Streisand effects for that. Um, yeah, so, we dedicated so, an episode to that for sure. So please, yeah, go do it. No, I'm not endorsing anyone take anyone's iPhone, but you know, it could happen. Yeah, um, we're not we're not saying you should do it. But we're also not really saying that you shouldn't. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. Just gonna say that. Leave that there, and see what happens. But uh, thanks, iPhone so, stealers. 
Uh, we also want to express gratitude to everyone who has been leaving reviews. Thank you so much. Um, and I'd love to read out one of our most, our latest ones here, which is actually, uh, full disclosure, this is actually written by my friend Steve, <laughs> who uh, I recently made him aware of the podcast. But Steve's a great guy. Uh, we go back. He's a huge, huge Doctor Who nerd, just like everyone. Uh, well, doing this podcast and perhaps listening. Uh, anyway, and he writes this. The title is Deep Cuts Served Randomly. Mm. I'll admit to bias here as one of the hosts is an old friend, but Pull to Open is a sharp, slickly produced, delicious helping of who goodness every episode I've heard so far. The randomizer is a lovely core concept, allowing for the kinds of odd cross connections and interesting digressions who fans crave. The episode breakdowns are snappy, the what if the baddies one feature is always intriguing and the where's Clara spots are always good for a laugh. This is one of those podcasts where I'll often hit pause in order to go off on my own musings on some arcane point, only to hit play and find our sagacious hosts. Good word, Steve. We're just about to explore the same avenues. Historical context, deep lore knowledge, and just the right amount of humorous perspective make this one a must for aspiring time travelers with two L's everywhere and every when. Awesome. Wow. Thank you, Steve. That was Thank a great you, review. Thank you, Steve. That, that, is, yeah. that is above and beyond just like, you know, a friend doing it for the sake of a friend. That is some serious, some serious investment in the show. Thank you so much. I'm so honored by that. And um, yeah, it's it's good to know that, that us having fun and nerding out is really connecting with an audience um is, hmm. is is steve a writer by the way because this is phenomenally well written <laughs> steve has been he has been a writer many times in the past he's uh, also he works for uh i don't want to reveal too much about steve <laughs> on the, the podcast i might have to edit this out but i steve, mean steve you're a star he's a star and he's such a star i would love to maybe even have him on at some point because Absolutely. honestly being real the er version of Pull to Open was probably Steve and I nerding out like nonstop in the 90s over Doctor Who, among other things. And if we had captured all that on audio, it would have been a pretty freaking good podcast. Wow. Um, so that was obviously before I met you, Chris. So yes, well, <laughs> no offense at all. <laughs> we, we need to have him on and, and we yeah. should, uh, you know, maybe think about one day in the future. We, we uh, are going to offer a prize. Um, you know, when we when we get to fifty reviews, we we talked about that a few times. But mm -hmm. also, maybe we should offer a prize of being on the show. If you really want to come on the show and nerd out with us, and and you've left a review, and and uh, you know, that, get in touch. You yeah. know how to find us on the socials. We'd love to chat. Yeah, you could be pulled to open famous. Yes. Um, all you got to do is leave that review. All right. Uh, rounding out the feedback loop, I already mentioned YouTube, but our season two episodes, that is to say season two of this podcast, keep coming fast and furious every Wednesdays. We're all the way up to oxygen now. Mm. Um, I remember that one. I, I vaguely remember that one. Yeah, yeah. Good good show. Yeah. Like, like also, a lot of who stuff. It was like, you know, better on the second viewing. Yeah, absolutely. And this is also when I think uh, we were really starting to hit our stride on TikTok. Mm. and engagement with the fans um, started to pick up and uh, we were really coming into a, you know, hitting, hitting a really good stride I think with the pods. This is, uh, it's been exciting to sort of look back at the life of this podcast as I've been cutting these uh, older episodes to video. So 
uh, good times. The new episodes, of course, the ones that you're listening to now are still posting every Saturday. Um, so it's all happening on YouTube. And uh, our shorts and our plot summaries are also there. Uh, right. So all, of our, all of our TikToks are there. So you can watch them uh, wherever wherever you're watching this podcast. Um, you can you can just go to YouTube and, uh, and see the TikToks as well. Uh, if you don't have time for the full thing, which, you know, not everyone has time for an hour and a half uh, who nerd out. <laughs> but if you just want a quick dose throughout your day, uh, check out the TikToks. That could be TLDL because didn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> too, too long, didn't listen. Yep, yep. Uh, that's that's what our TikToks are. We'll be, we'll, be we're there for you. So All right, we have and a comment always, of the week. Yeah, we do. So we get comments on TikTok, on YouTube, and uh, we picked one of our recent comments on YouTube as our comment of the week. And I'll just read it out here. It's actually on one of our older shorts. Like I said, we're uploading all the all the videos we cut for social media to YouTube. So there's a new comment on an old video. And this is the video about how the term cyber men, remember that? It was with, could be interpreted as a little bit sexist because, yes. you know, men. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I emphasize a little bit because <laughs> I know people are on sort of, you know, different perspectives on... It's, it's debatable, you know. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But... Um, this reminded me of something, uh, and it's just weird coincidence that, as you know, I'm listening to Big Finish more or less in order because they have a good chunk of them on Amazon Music, and I actually got all the way up to Spare Parts, which is roughly, I forget, the 26th or 27th one they made, and Spare Parts is pre-New Who was essentially the genesis of the Cyberman episode. Right. And wasn't that so, that was covered recently? I think in, in Doctor Who magazine they they it talked was. about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still very well regarded. I remember mm. other interesting pull to open fun fact: spare parts is the only big finish audio I bought on CD. Oh, I actually old have school. the spare parts CD, <laughs> and so I've certainly bought a bunch since. But they're all downloads, so I have right. the CD of spare parts. I listened to it way back when I got it. Obviously, haven't listened to it since then. So now I'm sort of re-listening. And just weird coincidence that this particular video went up on our YouTube and this person mm. commented. And this, uh, someone with the handle Horror Horse, <laughs> love the handles, Horror uh, Horse, left a comment on the video and it says, In the big finished story, Spare Parts, it is mm. shown that on Mondas, all professions end with the man suffix, not just policemen, but nursemen, <laughs> doctormen, sciencemen, and in the end, cybermen. And. It is, yeah. It's kind of an interesting choice they made to sort of like, I guess, make a make an excuse for doing having Cybermen be men and rather than cyber person or cyber human or whatever. Um, which is kind of like, okay, I guess you're kind of again, it's not really intense sexism in the first place, but there it's a little bit of a band aid over there. Yeah, it's it's it just it a little more palatable. It's it's just a great example of what you can do retroactively in a story. It kind of makes me think of Superman, uh, not not because of the man suffix, but because of the the different ways that the S on his chest has been explained over the years. Oh yeah, you know, like yeah. the in the 1978 movie, it was supposed to be like you know a Kryptonian symbol. That, that Jor-El was wearing. You remember right. you know, Marlon Brando had it on his chest. So it wasn't even supposed to be an ass at all. It was just a complete coincidence. 
uh, and then in other versions of Superman, it's been explained differently. So yeah, I love that. I, I love that, and, and we're going to get this, to this with the Runaway Bride. Um, the way that good writing and uh, writers who are really fans of the thing that they're writing for can kind of go back and and sort of patch up stuff that may have been confusing in the past, um, right. or you know. Uh, just, just all of the questions that you would have in your head as a fan, you know, writers are increasingly dealing with them. So it's sort of nice to to go back and see that that was happening even pre New Who. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, retcons can be good. Mm. <laughs> They're not and always the, just yeah. that. The best kind of retcon finds a uh, sort of a new piece of lore yeah. out of the, um, I suppose the the band-aid or glue that they're trying to do you know apply to an older um thumb that's sort of sticking out right 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 and yeah, yeah. and big finish can do it big finish is great at that and I, I i would love this recommendation of spare parts i've always loved any big finish recommendations because as a non-big finish listener it's like there's there's just too many of them right where do you mm-hmm. it's the paradox of choice where do you jump in so thoroughly appreciate the uh, thumbs up on spare parts i will go and track that one down myself yeah not not a, not a terrible one to start with i certainly mm. did mm. yeah mm. big finish they're they're definitely prolific if nothing else i think they might have even released five or so audios in the time we started this podcast yeah so, i really <laughs> want to dive into that <laughs> what time know, like more. literally this particular oh, yeah. <laughs> yes oh here comes another one here's another Just one taping, yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. we started talking today yeah I really like their, their time war stuff. Like, I really want to plunge more into that mm. because that's an area that really tickles my uh, my fan headcanon brain. Like, you know, the details of the time war. And I kind of I started off with the first McGann one that kind of mentioned the time war, where he had a, a companion who kept disappearing and changing her name. Ah. Uh, I love that okay. idea. That, that that one gave me a good shiver. So, like, I really want to invest more in in the big finish kind of. Uh, all of the canon that they've done around the Time War. I'd really love to, to see that. So, uh, yeah. Thanks for the all recommendation. Right. We'll, we'll keep talking about Big Finish. But first... Yeah, maybe we'll even get a little spin-off. <laughs> maybe it's pushed yeah, to we'll, open. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, we should do it as you're, as you're doing it in completely non-random order to, uh, you know, a contrast with the show. Maybe maybe that's the next podcast. We do Big Finish just mm. completely in order. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we we rank them for everyone else who hasn't listened yet. Uh, anyway, before we invent new podcasts, <laughs> it's time to talk yeah. about the Runaway Bride. It is. I'm glad you brought it up because it's time for you to talk about the Runaway <laughs> oh, Bride. Oh no! Oh god! I completely forgot. <laughs> which, which is to say, the story, um, which I think what we're going to have to go to here is because this is a Christmas special, and usually, you know, the way we allocate time for doing mm. our TLDWs. And of course, that's what this segment is, TLDW, where one of us summarizes the entire plot of the story in question in record time. But for Christmas specials, the timing's a little weird, right? Because they're usually a little longer than your hey, uh, uh, average episode. Uh, I think so. I think so. Let me check yeah. the runtime on it's, it. I mean, yes, we do normally uh, offer the, the TLW doer um, 30 seconds mm. per classic episode and then one minute per new who episode and yeah. uh you know so we're, we are going to have trouble when we get to the power of the doctor because that's 90 minutes uh but a lot of these specials were that the time was a bit weird right yeah this one's 60 minutes according to this 
It well, could be a little plus or minus. So maybe should we should we do it? Should you get a little extra time? I will take all the time that you give me. Right. <laughs> because I'm I not think... 100% sure on this one. But... You're going to be a little under the gun to do it in a minute. So what do you say we do a minute 10? I, I would thoroughly appreciate 70 seconds to do this. All right. I feel like it's okay. Because again, yeah. the, as we've identified before, you're already under the gun because yeah. do who's pacing and just density of these episodes tends to be higher. So yeah. I think 70 seconds is only fair. All right. All right. 70 seconds on the clock. Are you ready, sir? As I'll ever be, my tabs are closed. I'm looking at nothing but you on my screen. So, um, yeah, let's see if I can remember the Ragnos. All right. The Ragnos to be remembered in the official pull to open summary of The Runaway Bride in three, two, one, go. So Donna Noble is on her way down the aisle to getting married. But no, what's happened? She's getting sucked up into the TARDIS in a stream of particles. And the doctor's like, what? And and Donna's like, who the hell are you? You've kidnapped me. And uh, then they, they land back on Earth. The doctor tries to get her to a wedding. Um, but uh, Donna jumps into a taxi. But no, it's one of the uh, the robots from the Christmas invasion. And it's and it's, so the doctor's chasing her down the highway in the TARDIS. And uh, anyway, it turns out that uh, it's her husband who's been filling her with, with the Huron particles from one work and uh work actually has a a vast base under the thames barrier and in in that uh, base there's there's the empress of the ragnos this ancient race that turned out to create the earth in the first place by by pulling uh rocks uh into its gravitational sphere in this ragnos ship so that's what she's trying to tunnel down to like all these lost ragnos in the, the middle of the planet uh and uh but the doctor and donna managed to stop her um and uh, they uh, uh, and 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 they Donna won't go off with the doctor, but she says take care, and he makes it snow for her, and and the TARDIS disappears. And, uh... and time, boom, not bad. Seventy seconds. You used them. I did. Wow. That's. Yeah. I mean, I'm sort of talking. And I'm like, there's a lot more to this, but oh my goodness, like I can't mm. get into the beats of the story really. Like, yeah. I can't talk about the reception. Um, you know the discovery, like you know the the whole all the H C Clements stuff. Uh, Donna's employer. Uh, there's a lot more to talk about there. Wow. Um, yeah. Also, but, what a dick Lance is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Lance, I did not mention the husband suddenly turning. Did I mention it? I can't even remember what just happened to the last seventy uh, seconds. <laughs> uh, I think. Did you mention the coffee? that he was serving her coffee. Yeah, yeah, that he serves, that's the Huron particles, yes, yeah. and then the idea was to get her, sort of, you know, get her on her wedding day, because then her yeah. nervousness is activating all these chemicals in her body. Uh, and you're, nice. um, you miss the ship, like the Ragnar ship that comes, like a Christmas star? Yeah, yeah, so you know, the, the one ship trying to find the other ship. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and the army being called out to deal with it, which is really weird. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the brigadier has, has long retired at this point because brigadier would have known what to do. Just call in an RAF airstrike. Um, mm. You know, you're probably more likely to hit a ship than just bringing in the army. Yeah, though the tanks did all right. That was one of the weird, in, <laughs> fun things about this one. The ship is not immune to bullets. Yes, like it just boom, it's, it just shatters almost immediately. Like just a few tank shells. Oh, well, yes, that was obviously. unexpected. <laughs> this this mysterious Mister Saxon, who is apparently ordering the tanks around, obviously right. knew knew what he was doing. 
Yeah, seeding that season or series three arc nice and early, which um, factors highly into my thinking of like, what if the evil plot had succeeded when we get to that? Yeah, but we yeah, I found. What what did you think overall of the Ragnos here as a villain? Um, I, it, it's interesting. First of all, I have to say it is it is coming up to Halloween, and yeah. uh, our after I'd watched this episode, I looked out the window, and one of our neighbors has added this sort of giant black and red spider outside mm. their house. This giant inflatable spider just appeared while I was watching the episode, so I feel like the Ragnos actually. Uh, appeared across the street um, but it's it's interesting because it, it was a practical effect and they they yeah. deliberately didn't want to cgi it and the uh actress playing the the Ragnos empress uh was one of the puppeteers of the Ragnos, mm. right uh there was this whole sort of right. seesaw thing teacher totter thing um sarah parish yeah yeah the name of the woman so, who played it was Ragnos. really well done. I appreciate the the sort of the little CGI eye blinking thing that it does with the other eyes. Seems like that should have happened slightly more often. Um, mm, but right. yeah, in general, I, I appreciate not just the the Ragnos Empress, but this whole episode so much more than when I first watched it at Christmas uh, two thousand six. This was one that I watched at the time, and back then, mm. I think it's important to remember not to sanitize Hoovian history. Like you know, we all kind of look back these days and you know rtd is kind of universally loved and accepted but back in the day there was a little bit of snobbery from old who fans right um, yeah vaguely what I, are you thinking I, of specifically with the story or donna or the, the story Ragnarok? you know and, and rtd in general rtd's more kind of populist approach to doctor who which right. obviously won a lot of fans brought a whole new generation in made it much more of the sort of accessible you know, countrywide Saturday afternoon TV, you know, Saturday evening TV viewing thing that it kind of always could have been. Um, but I think like any, you know, we, uh, some of the more snobbish Whovians would have frowned on the, the pop culture references that you get here. Mm. Uh, you know, we get references to uh, Donna is, is basically kind of a, we, today we would call her basic. Um, you know, she's sort of Lance. There's this point where Lance basically, once he's the mask has dropped and he's revealed himself to be on the side of the Ragnus, he just goes through all of the stuff that he's had to put up with her, nattering on about. Mm. And it's this whole thing of like, is Posh pregnant? Ooh, Brad and Angelina, you know, X Factor, Atkins diet. Uh, and he's sort of ticking off these these cultural obsessions, which are very 2006, right? Definitely locates mm -hmm. this in time. And it's interesting because it is kind of, you look back on it and it's kind of a timeless episode, but it is definitely of a moment. Yeah, the flip, um, the flip tones alone. Yeah. Really, really zero it in on a specific time, which again, I don't, I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah. I think when <laughs> Doctor Who shows us this sort of rubber hits the road reality of just how people are living in that day, yeah, you run that risk of, coming across as dated and it does but i mean uh, you like you know the story still resonates and it's uh, still super fun i mean when, whenever i think of the early rtd era i think of a, a website that i used to go to uh that just had reviews it just had user reviews of every show which was kind of unusual at the time and it would they would the first 10 would all be negative at least you know the the, mm. the ones that kind of were upvoted the and internet I know. And the thing I remember about that website is that I, it was called Gallifrey something 
it was a reviews website. You know, there are probably some listeners who remember what I'm talking about. But it stopped right before Blink. That's oh. what I remember. Like the the website, it got bought or shut down or something. And I remember like watching through those episodes and getting to Blink and wanting to know like, okay, is this enough? Is this good enough for the old school fans? Like, how can you find? Because I was like, I'd watched Human Nature and Family of Blood, you know, and they they mm, seemed to be yeah. really good shows. And I went to that, and then people found all these reasons to hate on it because it was originally, you know, a Sylvester McCoy novel. Uh, right novelization right and um you know so they were like oh you know it's not the way it should be and there was a lot of that and then i finally got to blink it was like come on what's your reaction and they, you know the website just effectively <laughs> disappeared uh, up itself uh, as it were um and, yeah, it definitely uh, yeah. it definitely makes you wonder about like seeing this now what the mm-hmm. next era of russell t davies is going to be for the show because the show's in a different place and honestly fandom and franchises like this are in a different place like everything has evolved more toward fan service um, just sort of naturally because of the symbiotic relationship with the internet and how streaming has exacerbated that that sort of super narrow bandwidth uh you know go lean in and hard on this one particular universe uh, and and just go super nerdy with it. Whereas Doctor Who, to your point, everything you said it rings true. You know, Saturday afternoon tea time viewing, and that goes double, if not triple, for these Christmas specials. Yes, which I think uh, Moffat, when uh, we, you know, as everyone knows, we're journalists, and we were we were talking to him once, or at least I was in some group interview, mm. and he would talk about how it's competing with Christmas. Yes, you know, so like. You, you really be a need to bit louder, yeah. Louder, volume up, simpler. It's really just gotta like be almost the closest thing Doctor Who has to a summer blockbuster. Are kind of these Christmas specials, at least the yeah. way they approach them, and that's definitely the case with this one. Um, one thing about, I mean, you know, say what you like, you know, old Who fan, new Who fan, whatever. You cannot deny that he knows how to do a cliffhanger. Uh, when when he totally. does them, because obviously the new Who format doesn't allow for a lot of cliffhangers. Uh, there weren't that many more than one parters but in this case we had the cliffhanger from the end of doomsday of Mm. donna appearing in the tardis and just the what 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 um you know wonderful moment but you like as an old who fan watching that you're simultaneously like "Eh? Eh, i'm not sure about this (laughs) but also like you really want to watch how are they going to explain this and at the time i thought it was kind of a bit naff the explanation but looking back mm. on it now, especially looking back on it now, after our show bouncing back and forth between new and old who, we can see how good this is in contrast in terms of the amount of uh, explanation that they give us, right? It's just right. enough. RTD gives us just enough. He knows what questions we're going to have. Like yeah. the, the Huron energy thing for the explanation for the particles, why she's getting beamed in the TARDIS. And there's one Huron particle in TARDIS. Like I buy that now. I don't think I bought it at the time, but I buy it now, especially compared to something like time flight that we've just been to where like Mm. the explanations are just all over the place and they're mostly lacking. Right. Yeah. Or they just don't even bother with like, say the master's disguise. Yeah. Uh, They just sort of have him unmask and move on. Yeah, I got to say, Davies was the master at this. Like, giving mm. you just enough throwaway dialogue, really, like, to, to your point earlier, being a fan of his own show, 
yeah and respecting that and like okay people are going to ask this and we gotta or this contradicts that therefore we need some something in here to placate people and i got i feel like you've read the writer's uh tale right yes so i've never fully read that i've sort of only read bits of it I'm curious about these season ender cliffhangers like this one and also the one with uh, the following season with uh, that leads to the voyage of the damned. Yes, Did he even know what he was going to do? Like, I feel <laughs> like he, he, he decided just to do something that looked like it was a fun, interesting thing. and like, okay, future self, write your way out of this one. He does. He does have that style as a writer in general. You're absolutely right about that. That definitely comes across in the writer's tale. In fact, in the writer's tale, you see him rewriting the show in the emails that he's sending back and forth with with right. Cook of Doctor Who magazine. Uh, like he's doing it on the fly. He's like, "Oh, that would be good. Oh, that would be good tea time viewing. Oh, that'll be good. Good repeatability for the playground." Um, like he's he's got this in the back of his head all the time. In this case, however. The Runaway Bride was supposed to be a mid-season um, story. Mm. It was supposed to be a story for for Rose and Ten in the middle of the season. Um, and then when Billy Piper announced uh, that she was leaving, you know, instead of having a, a story where the bride beams up into the TARDIS and both uh, the Doctor and Rose are there to meet both her. Both say what? What? <laughs> what? 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 You what? You what? Um, what? what? <laughs> yeah. And then, and then, you know, uh, Rose and Donna have uh, <laughs> a competition on on how, uh, you know, basic and chav-like they can be. Uh, no, love you both, Rose and Donna. <laughs> love you both. Um, and uh, yeah, but, but so in this, so this was then kind of a natural fit for the season ender because it's obvious you don't want to go straight into the next companion. You know, if if Billy yeah. Piper's leaving at the end of season two, you don't want for this Christmas special. You don't want to introduce a new companion. Um, so yeah. perfect, perfect kind of filler. So he actually did in this case know what story he was doing. Titanic, I'm not so sure. <laughs> that does seem more like a <laughs> yeah. Let's just throw the Titanic into the TARDIS and see what happens, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, well, it's good. It's good when you're not too respectful of your own show that you don't want to try something new. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually didn't know what you mentioned before that this was originally supposed to be a mid-season mm-hmm. episode mm-hmm. because the way he rewrote it, I mean, it's such a good bridge, right? Yeah. Like that's a, to your to your point, I think the main purpose of this episode is to have that buffer between the sort of gut-wrenching events of Doomsday that had everyone in tears and it was clearly traumatic for the doctor and going into series 3 with Martha, you could like it, you would want Martha to be the re- she she already is kind of the rebound companion, but you kind of need a bridge. And, and you know what? Yeah. I've only just realized this, and it's kind of sending a chill down my spine. Why the randomizer sent us here? Mm. Uh, because we went through this with Adric in Time Flight, right? Oh, Time Flight. yes. Time Flight was not beats. enough. It was not enough mm. of a bridge. Yeah. Um, post Adric. Wow. Wow. I, I seriously just got shivers yeah. there. Yeah. Wow. What a comparison, right? Yeah. yeah how how yeah, do you deal huge. with the loss of a companion? Um, you do. You know, this is, I guess, Davies learned that from the old show. Maybe he was even thinking of time flight yeah. when he thought of this buffer, you know? Well, um, especially because Rose was both the original companion of New Who, uh, was mm. a big part of why the show had so much mass appeal. Yes. And in the context of the show too was 
was so special was was clearly like in addition to being a companion kind of this soulmate and this romantic interest for the doctor too that they mm. haven't really done since they this a little bit but like one you don't want to repeat yourself too much but also like i like that specialness of her and you just could like i mean it was just like doomsday like it was just oh my god like you know you thought you were crying in yeah. uh the girl in the fireplace like it's like you have no idea right like yeah. it was just like it was that was a weep fest it totally and, was uh, and you do need uh, some time to get over that and i love that yeah. they inserted the scene with uh, you know when they start to rewrite this as a christmas special you know then he inserts the scene where donna finds uh, an item of rose's clothing mm-hmm. which is actually from I think it's the sweater she was wearing in the uh, st- the Stolen Earth. No, no, was it the Stolen? No, sorry, not Stolen Earth. New Earth. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. She she leaves the sweater behind in the TARDIS, and and Donna finds it. Originally, there what they did actually shoot a scene where the Doctor kind of angrily throws that sweater out of the TARDIS. Right, I read about um, that. Yeah, and and they they removed that because it was just like a little bit too melodramatic. Yeah, right? too just, much. Too much. Too Didn't much. need to Better, do it. Less is more for sure. Like, and I got to say, Tennant's performance here, re- just great. I mean, yeah. he's really hitting his stride as the doctor. He has the right beats. Like, somehow he, again, I, I think this is to credit to the script, Davies and everyone involved. You get, you really believe those emotional moments, but they mm. still keep it light. You know, like, yeah. it's paced just right. And the scenes I'm thinking of specifically, um, the rooftop scene, where... They've just gone through the chase with the yeah. Santas and the TARDIS flying. And you need a break because that was a very high octane, very like huge action sequence. Mm. Um, but that that first sort of real connection between the Doctor and Donna, I think, was was such a... I mean, they're both playing it really, really well. Uh, and it, it really just not just only serves as kind of a, a good... Uh, moment for the doctor and 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 in this episode but it, i think it sort of shows the depth that we would come to see in series four yeah. you know like yeah why why donna sort of works out because she can actually um provide this sort of canvas that uh, that the doctor and her kind of like can explore beyond just the banter it's also nice to have a buffer between romantic companions, right? Because obviously sure. with Martha coming along, it would it would reverse reverse the polarity of the romantic flow, as it were, uh, <laughs> with Martha being more into the Doctor than he was into her. Um, so it's nice to have that break. And it's also almost kind of a reference to, obviously not intended, but a reference to her line later on of like, I'm not into you, you're, you're skinny. Right, you know, in, when yeah. uh, when she comes back full time, and here there's a line like that where he yeah. puts his jacket around her on the rooftop, and she's like, "Oh, you're skinny, aren't you?" Like a rat couldn't get yeah. this. So it's clear that Donna is not into the Doctor. It's nice to have that yeah. break from Which all I, of the romance with Rose. I totally, totally believe that. By the way, that mm. <laughs> Donna Noble is into guys who are a bit more butch. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it's like yes, that, that's totally in keeping with her character. Yeah, yeah, no, and we we've seen uh, two two of the people in, in uh, Doctor oh, Who that right. she chose to marry, right? Lee, yeah, uh, in uh, Day of uh, Oh gosh, um, uh, Silence in the Library, Forest of the Dead. Yes, right, yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, yes, I I get chills just remembering that one. Um, yeah, so uh, I I also wanted to talk about. RTD's uh, original inspiration for this, because you know, as as 
popular a writer as he was, and as much as he was focused on popular culture and bringing people in, he was also a who nerd. And I think that's what those mm. early kind of snobbish reviewers didn't realize. And and that is the the true origin story of the Runaway Bride, is that young RTD as a kid on on car rides imagines the TARDIS chasing uh, in in a car chase mm-hmm. you know young yeah. who fan and i can i just i can so relate to that kind of daydreaminess of, totally of, yeah like well, you also just, like you're like, so feel- bored you're on the freeway and like hey wouldn't it be great if the tardis came running toward us now yeah oh wow like i used to go with my family in car rides this is awakening a big memory yeah. eruptured in me uh car rides to seattle from edmonton which is like huh. a two-day drive with a family wow. yeah and there was just hours and hours of on the highway and you'd imagine things of uh, i had all these fictional characters that would <laughs> fly with us or yeah. you know be on motorized roller skates or something and uh and and i i really love that idea and i got to say you know this is going to rant a little bit as you know someone who's older a little bit older now like I, the kids today with their ipads <laughs> <laughs> what's happened to staring out of, of a car window and being so bored out of your mind that you exactly. have to imagine something yeah well then you get scenes like this years yeah. later right so it's it's you know kudos to to the old school uh but i gotta say like that was that was such a cool scene like even though it's it's borderline a retcon. It isn't really because mm. the TARDIS certainly sort of hovers and is shown to sort of quote unquote fly here and there, but not in this sort of action movie, almost like a fighter plane kind of way. This is like really the first time it's done that. Mm. And I really like how it's, it's thought about not like he doesn't just click a few switches and do it. Like it seems like it's kind of a big deal and kind of a, there's a certain analog aspect to it where he has this string attached to the console. Like he seems to have a really, <laughs> it's, it's a big effort on his part to do it. And the TARDIS, cause the TARDIS is like sparking and all this stuff. So I feel like he earns it, right? Like yeah. he, he, he realizes like, Oh, it can't just be him doing a few switches and just flying alongside it. It's gotta be harder than that. And yeah. Yeah. You got to take the parking brake off. Um, yeah. yeah, I love that scene uh, where where he's just he's very tenant is so physical with the console. Yeah, and he's just dragging stuff out, pulling stuff. He's definitely in the hit it with a hammer mode of operating the TARDIS, um, which is just wonderful. <laughs> I think it's he might so literally British. do that at some yeah. point in, in the sequence. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I got it. Like it's a great sequence. Uh, it really works. I mean, there's the emotional moment too of him just. Um, begging Donna to trust him and jump and he has to in that moment reveal that Rose is actually alive and okay mm. so it's a good character moment too but I mean it's just really the crescendo is huge and I, my kids were basically jumping up and cheering mm. when that this this scene happened and like uh, my daughter was like cool thing happened and Jack was like touchdown it was like it was just this really great sort of rousing uh, family pleasing yeah. moment which i mean that's what you need right it's the christmas special like boom. It, indeed and it's so wonderfully echoed in that moment on the screen because you have the two kids in the back of the car that's watching this, <laughs> right. watching this whole thing and they're like go on jump jump you can't actually hear them but you sort of see them mouthing jump through the window and they're cheering and it's like you know it, yeah. again it's sort of that that 
that sense of Christmas togetherness, which is really good. By the way, we should say, like, you, you can pick apart The Runaway Bride, and one of the biggest things you can do to pick it apart is point out that there would be no leaves on the trees at Christmas. And this was filmed mm, in the middle of July. Right. And Tennant sort of famously was like he was sweating in his coat. Um, like, you know. The- <laughs> no, probably not the first time. And by the way, I could relate right now. Uh- <laughs> yeah, indeed. Indeed. You're, you're method acting right now. Uh, but at least you're doing it in October when it kind of makes sense. Like, exactly. I got, just got to open a window. That's all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, you, you almost don't want to pick it apart. Um, I do have to mm. say, like, this, this speaks to a lot of the, the RTD-ness of the show, the, um, the romance factor, uh, the fact that they were trying something new. You have uh, the, the first, the show's first sort of in-show song, uh, mm. Love Don't Roam, uh, written by Murray Gold and uh, sung by Neil Hannon of the Divine Comedy. And it's playing in the, uh, at the reception. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, everyone's no, dancing good. along to it. Um, and, you know, it's sort of the cue for the doctor to, um, to kind of re- remember Rose. He has a brief flash mm. of memory of, I guess, dancing with Rose. And, uh, you know, he sees a blonde woman that reminds him of Rose. So it's it's a great story beat and uh, a great song, but uh, I do have to say, um, I didn't. I only just discovered after I watched this that the song was based on a song called "The Snake" by Al Wilson. Have you heard that song? No, no, it's, I haven't. You you knew huh. I was a snake when I took you in. It's like it's a whole narrative between a woman and a snake. It's a seventies song. Go go look it up. Uh, uh, you know, if you're on Spotify, just queue it up for next in your queue after this podcast, and you'll hear. <laughs> you can actually listen to both "Love Don't Roam" and "The Snake." Um, but I thought "Love Don't Roam" was fantastic when I first heard it, like uh, ten years ago, <laughs> uh, whatever. And uh, but and then I listened to "The Snake." I'm like, oh my god, the estate of Al Wilson should should sue. <laughs> for copyright oh, hey. infringement. Wow, it's like it's so similar. Uh, don't they... don't give the BBC any excuses <laughs> to cancel the show because they'll jump at the chance. I'm sure because just from from historical right. context. Al Wilson's but... estate. Please do not sue the BBC because they might sue <laughs> us. Um, <laughs> or go back in time and release the song first so that they can sue. Or is it? Does Murray Gold actually have those rights? I don't know how they've yeah. the rights are done there. Uh, I I gotta wonder if they're uh, if Murray Gold has seen a good amount of royalties. From Whovians mm. getting married in subsequent years from this episode <laughs> that played it at their reception, uh, that probably made like you know a pound sixteen or something. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, go give him some more listens on Spotify, people. Um, but yeah, it's it is Murray Gold's music is definitely a a standout in this episode, but it's also definitely yeah. one of those things that it's like this is modern Who, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I love that yeah. scene in the. Uh, the five-ish doctors special, you know, mm-hmm. you remember the 50th anniversary, yeah, sure. Peter Davison, Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy, when they step inside the studio and it goes all like eighties synth background and they step outside <laughs> and it's like Murray Gold music and they keep going back and forth like, huh? <laughs> but that is so noticeable after coming from time flight, right? I feel like that's what we're doing right. ourselves. Um, but Murray Gold's yeah. music basically says, Hey, this is like, Hollywood action adventure for the whole family, you know, sit down and listen, you're going to have fun. 
right? Which I think is what a lot of the snobby old old who fans were were concerned about. It's sort of that direction. Yeah, I mean, I, what I do like about Davies, I mean, I like a lot about Davies because I, I I like his approach to who in this populist mm. way uh, and sort of going for the um the widest possible audience. I guess what I would say about Davies generally is that he would go for the widest possible audience, but he wouldn't necessarily go for the lowest common denominator. You know, Ooh, yeah. Good Even one. though I think people wrongly think he does, but he actually has a lot of strength to uh, please. Like that's what I like about him because because he, he can do these wide mass appeal things, but also have that dialogue that fits with the the universe that fans have created. Yeah. Um, Agreed. And, and Davies yeah. is sort of like, it's. It, I've yet to see a Davies episode that isn't improved by a second viewing. You know? Because yeah. I think you look back yeah. and you see all the things that he's done. You're like, oh, actually, yeah, I see what you did there. Like, that, that's that's super clever. You, you connected this to that. Um, well, I also you know, think he has a good classic Who sense about him. And in this mm-hmm. episode in particular, I like that he goes for that big sci-fi concept of hey, the first rock of the Earth yeah. was actually the Ragnos ship, and there's echoes in, of that throughout a Doctor Who, classic Who. Like you think about the Fendal or yeah. Scaroth, and these these big things that essentially created, you know, things that we know. Whether it's the universe, like Terminus, that's another one, right? Like the universe was created by this spaceship with a dog on it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, but, and we've been but, to I mean, that. But it is like, why not? Like, do it. Go for it. Yeah, that's that's a this is this is what Doctor Who is all about and sort of giving you sort of a fun, interesting uh, take, like, quote unquote, real take on how something was uh, created or whatever in the universe. And it sort of still somehow fits with. Uh, the the whole continuity we've that's been built up over the years. I love it. Yeah, it's it's the you know it's the educational mandate because you know yes we know that actually in real life the Ragnar ship is not at the center of the Earth and how could it be? It would just be molten lava down there. But you know you believe it in the show. We see it happen, which is something right. this has got over Terminus and and all of that stuff. Um, yeah, well, that's what you can do when you finally have CGI. <laughs> exactly. We actually see it happen, perhaps sped up a little bit, right? You know, it seems right. to be happening rather <laughs> fast, but fine. It's okay. I get it. Like, it's believable enough. It gets you over that hump. We see it happen. But also then kids are going to be interested, like, well, what actually is at the center of the earth? You know, right. and you can go off and do your own education on Wikipedia after, uh, you know, which was sort of starting to be a thing around this time. Well, I got to um, say that the Ragnos uh, really won up Stallman here by creating <laughs> a, a tunnel all the way to the center of the earth, whereas Stallman in Inferno had trouble getting through the crust. If and, only he'd known. Just build <laughs> under the Thames barrier, dude. That's, yeah. that's where it is. <laughs> Somehow that bypasses all the green goo and no one becomes a prime lord. What did or, they say? They or have- do they? <laughs> or do they? Yes, follow up to the runaway bride. Um, but they say something about didn't Torchwood did it by laser? Like they lasered through right. to the center of the earth. Yeah, there's a lot of throwaway stuff about Torchwood here. Um, some of which makes sense, some some of it doesn't. But yeah, I think the the whole implication is there was some laser technology some techno alien technology that the Rachnos took by taking this thing over from Torchwood to be able to quickly tunnel to the center of the earth. I guess. Yes. And it That's- gets meta about it. Like this is one mm-hmm. thing that New Who does that is a change 
from Classic Who is that it, the Doctor will say things like, oh, you know, secret base under a London landmark. That never happens. Yeah, th- th- there's some fourth, almost fourth wall breaking moments like that. I like that one. That was really good. And I, it reminded me a bit of the line in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade where it's like, what's this? The Ark of the Covenant. Are you sure? Pretty sure. You know, like, yes, that's yes. One of the all time great lines of that. You could, you could get away with that as long as you don't overdo it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is actually a moment I, I think it almost takes me out of the show but you're you're having such a good time it doesn't matter it's like when they're actually riding the segways yes they, they, they randomly much... find segways in this, yeah. in this tunnel <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 they basically break character and they're just kind of goofing on them and there's no lines but you, it's pretty clear they're just David Tennant and Catherine Tate just having a laugh on segways you know? well that itself is not doesn't feel new especially since we've been to Fury the Deep right where they were uh, playing around in the sea foam, and we right. know that that was actually just you know Patrick Troughton, Fraser Hines, and uh, and Victoria Deborah Watling, um, uh, just playing messing around in yeah. foam. They just have captured that spontaneous moment. True, so, it's just that that yeah. was before there was some terrible thing threatening the Earth slash world <laughs> slash universe. You know, so now that we're in the midst of it. Maybe maybe a little more fear, urgency on the face. No, we're just having a laugh on some segues. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know, it's it's nice to see the doctor sort of let loose every so often and kind of like, yeah, okay, just having fun riding the segue. And well, that, it is that fun. Didn't really stop me. Right. Yeah. Whole, yeah, no, it didn't stop me either. I mean, it's it's just it's it's kind of like one of those things you catch on second viewing because really this is about mostly the fun, right? I mean, it's it's. Mm. Like there's so many good lines. It's like the humor here, uh, from particularly from Tenant, where he's like, "Oh, good luck allowance," and like <laughs> he mentions in the elevator, "To honor and obey." And you're starting to get that repartee between him and Tate, uh, which again, uh, they they had you know just they they went all the way with it in her season. Uh, but I, actually, my favorite line might be Lance's, where he says, "This time it's personnel." <laughs> yeah, I ah, I liked it and I didn't like it. I'm like, oh god, yeah. that's just that's in the way that one often approaches puns. Like, oh my god, you yeah. didn't. Oh my god, why am I laughing? I'm laughing yeah. too hard at this. Stop laughing. Um, <laughs> you yeah, well, yourself. you can tell between the two of us, Chris, I'm the dad, so <laughs> the dad joke I have to have a special appreciation for moments that, like that. Just I'm, to taste. And moments like that, I'm often like, did you did you just throw that in just for the trailer? Like, you know, <laughs> just like, hey, you can show the BBC bosses this. Hey, you can use this in your Christmas trailer. This stuff is personnel. I guess it doesn't really make sense outside of the context. So maybe not. But it's it's one of those moments where you're like, oh, would he really say that? Uh, mm. You know, but I did believe Lance's character a lot more this time. I did believe right. the whole thing with the Huron particles and the coffee. Uh, like I get it now in a way that at the time I was just, I was a bit watching this the first time you're a bit more, what, what, yeah. what? Well, I um, liked the bit. It's a nice little detail where they have both Lance and Donna webbed up yes. and the Huon particles are starting to glow. And when, when she was prepping Lance for, to be the key, cause Donna wasn't there anymore. You kind of wonder, well, why didn't you just do that in the first place? But when they're glowing, his glow is so much dimmer than hers. So clearly, like the six months of working her, like that's the proper way to do the key. Mm-hmm. And there was there was some some aspect, like in other words, Lance probably would have been a pretty shitty key, but who knows <laughs> if uh, if that would have worked or not. 
Uh, yeah. so we're getting he, kind he of wasn't the, nervous enough in the church. That was his problem. Yeah. But before we get to that evil plot, potentially <laughs> succeeding, uh, I want to ask about one of the key scenes in this adventure. And it's towards the end. And it's basically where they've the doctor has started almost defeated the Ragnos. They basically pulled in the Thames and it's kind of like the oncoming storm doctor comes yes. out and the, the Donna has to talk him down from that. You know, you could stop now. It's one of the, it's, it's a very pivotal moment, not just in the, the, this particular story, but uh, in, I think in Dr. Who, because it's obviously referenced later in turn left. Um, it is kind of one of these things where, that emphasis that one of these things that emphasizes when the doctor really needs companions. Yeah. And I think it really works here for, as, as an emotional beat. Uh, if I have any issue with it, it's that he's not even really doing anything right then and there, right? He's just kind of standing there and staring out at the water coming to rush in to kill the Ragnos. Yeah. You really sort of need like sound effect of Ragnos screams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, echoing from the middle of the planet or something. Cause it's just like, it's not entirely clear like what are you, what are you doing? Uh, you know, it kind of puts you in mind of flushing spiders down a bathtub. Like the, yeah. they'll they'll be fine. They they always survive right. in the drains. Uh, so what's the problem here? Well, especially but, if those, they survive the center of the earth. Yeah, <laughs> you know, this, like, isn't this just water? actually cooling them off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't they actually need this? They come up like, thanks, doctor. Uh, we needed that drink. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It's 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 that that is that is one part that stopped me. But I did. I like the whole you know Doctor as Lonely God thing, and this is yeah. really sort of the first time we see it because Rose never had to, or did she? Did she ever have to pull him back in this sort of way? Um, kind of generally throughout. I mm. I like that Rose right off the bat, even when she was with Eggleston, was arguing with him over say the Gelf in um. Oh, what was the name of that one? The Unquiet Dead. Yes. About what the, the proper way to help them or deal with them was. And so she was always sort of scrappy and, and humanizing his approach, mm. whether that was for better or for worse. So that was good. Um, I have to think about it if there was like a specific but certainly, story where she talked him down from this. Like the, the, It's certainly, like, this is more, right? This is, yeah. you know, you could say, you could make an argument that this is near genocide um, that the doctor's right. doing. Yeah, or finishing. Yeah, kind of finishing the job of the Time Lords, Mm -hmm. which they apparently did, you know, eons ago. And you know, interesting side note: there is a short story about the Ragnos and what they were like in that era in Oh Gods. Well, some book I remember reading. It's a compilation of of short stories. It's like myths and legends, you know, Mm -hmm. that pick on pick up on the myths. I've mentioned it before in the context of the moment. Uh, mm. From uh, Day of the Doctor. Day of the Doctor, yeah, and that's that's an interesting connection to make because after Day of the Doctor, you know, where we see that the Doctor thought himself responsible for two genocides, right, mm. his own people and that of the Daleks, and now here he is genociding again and yeah. kind of doing it casually, and it's like he's just yeah, he does need someone because he is going too far in that direction. Yeah, no, honestly, we should inventory the Doctor's genocides. I mean, we, we've been. <laughs> Free from the deep, the weed. I mean, it wasn't intelligent, so maybe it doesn't count. Yeah. I mean, or was it? You know, like we actually asked in that podcast. Is it? It's not really clear if it's intelligent, intelligent or not. I mean, you could talk about the vervoids, which of course he sort of stood trial for. 
Mm. Uh, but we could go on and on. I, mean, I bet there's at least a dozen, right? Like the uh, the Damons. Wasn't that guy for the the last of his kind? I forget. I uh, there's a lot of that. I mean, you know, it's it's sort of one of one of the biggest Doctor Who tropes. Um, the the other biggest one, by the way, being we've <laughs> we've been here for billions of years, Doctor, um, <laughs> which is totally done again, yet again here. Right. <laughs> which well, this is the one big. It's not, you don't think of it during the episode, right? Because mm. this is my whole test of plot holes. If you're thinking of it while it's happening, yes, that's a serious problem. If it's something you come to after the fact, when you're sort of analyzing the episode, like we are, not a problem. Mm. Uh, even though it's fun to think about. So, but I always wonder, like, what took you so long, Rachnos? <laughs> I mean, it, why, why now? You know, that's a big question. Why? Why didn't you get your uh, people from the center of the earth much, much earlier than this? Why did it have to be right this? Did they ever, was there even a throwaway line that sort of addresses that? Or is it all just? No, they really don't. It just, yeah, the queen just happened to show up at the right time and just happened to know where, you know, where the doctor was going to be with the uh, Santa robots. Uh, mm. You know, there's a few moments like that. You look back and it like, mm, that was all a bit convenient, wasn't it? But yeah, no, no line that, that I could spot uh, explains yeah, that. Yeah, because. I guess the the ship went off to the edge of the universe and now only just getting back. Yeah. So maybe it was you just know you know how it is. You put off these important items on your to do list. Like she's well, and then <laughs> and when it's time to do it, there's no bus in sight, right? You know, never, a tra- <laughs> it never a tram when you need one. Exactly. Is there's never line? a Chris- never a Christmas star when you need one. Then three come along all at once. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. The, the 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 shape of the ship and it being the Christmas star is kind of interesting. Uh, I like, I like that this is like a Christmas episode that's not trying too hard to be, to be Christmassy. Uh, yeah. except for the, perhaps for the snow at the end, the making it snow, which is, uh, that, that did stop me. Like it's a bad snow effect. It's clearly just a snowblower just off one side of the screen, you know? Mm. I like the callback to the first Christmas special with the Santas mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and to a lesser extent, the Christmas tree, which isn't the same as the one that sort of kill, tries to kill him in um, the Christmas invasion. Christmas invasion. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I liked it, even though it's, it's really stretching it that, Oh, they're back again. And wait a second. Are those, you know, but that's a good moment when the initially is like, Oh, it's wait, hold on. Um, but it is also like, hold on (laughs) (laughs) in any like real world the same kind of robots and they look the same i guess it's just sort of the popular like on supervillain ebay in terms of dressing (laughs) up your robots it's like just get the cheap santa one it's it's amazon's choice and one of them just happened to know how to drive a taxi uh right you know, and didn't do so. That that part stopped me because you know, if you're in if you're in London, you jump into a taxi. You know, the driver always turns around because you've got to negotiate with the driver about where you're going. The driver has to accept mm. location, so it would be a bit weird for Donna to kind of just jump in and say, you know, I need to need to get to this church. Um, you know, if if the right. robot was had really studied its um, <laughs> its 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 a uh, replacement, like you know, it he should have turned around and said. What at this time, love? This time, <laughs> south of the river. Go on, do me a favour. I'm going to have to charge you double. Um, Check M4. <laughs> um, yeah, I love the uh, the, the the doctor um, uh, making the ATM rain money to mm. uh, to keep the robots at bay, and they did apparently 
make fake money for this because it is a it is an offense in the UK to uh, replicate real money. Oh, um, interesting. With the I queen's head that. on it, so it had tenants' face on it. This this money that they made, and it said, "I it says I promise to pay the bearer ten satsumas." <laughs> Um, and then yeah. it's something it's something else it's like I'm just that kind of man no second chances yeah uh, okay on the money, what's the Satsuma's so. reference is that a I, it is a tenant reference and I can't remember it because I'm mm. now I'm thinking of the other Christmas uh, uh, the the Capaldi Christmas that last Christmas uh, with the Satsumas but... yeah I remember Kronkberger's <laughs> back mm. in Eggleston days uh, anyway someone someone write in <laughs> Yeah, it's good. It's interesting that the money had to be printed for that reason. Uh, I wonder, is it, I guess whenever they show real money or something close to it in British television, it's always real, huh? It's always like a mm-hmm. real mm-hmm. a real. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a Christmas invasion reference, of course. The newly regenerated Doctor uh, finds a Satsuma in his pocket. Uh, and, uh, and he starts to talk about that. But yeah, if you go online, you can actually see the, the prop. Um, uh here it is I, i'm looking at it right now no second chances i'm just that sort of man it's got a little tardis on it oh this is beautiful beautiful uh but other but otherwise from a distance looks like a 10 pound note um nice. but it also has not legal tender written on it just in case <laughs> so a nice but, little yeah. note about this one is that it, as a christmas special you get remember the, the next time trailer yes that sort of previews at least the first chunk of the season and I watched that as I was watching it on the DVD mm. and it was, I it just brought back all these memories of how like, Oh, how cool all this stuff was at the time. And I love that sort of, they cut to like a Dalek at the very mm. end, which is uh, clearly from Daleks in Manhattan. But I remember when that was just so cool and that was such a reveal. Uh, and again, it goes, speaks again to how the, the new who universe Davies set up with the Daleks and the Time Lords being completely wiped out. And every time he brought back the Daleks, then it was like super dramatic, at least for a while, right? Yeah. You know, once it came to the fourth or fifth time, it was a little like, okay, of course you're going to have Daleks back. But I remember just, I just remember that feeling when I watched that next time trailer again. Like, oh yeah, it's like Daleks sec. That was so cool. And that was such a cool <laughs> reveal. Um, I don't know. I feel like have we lost something now that we're so much further in in sort of series thirteen? Can can they can they do that again? It's it's hard, isn't it? I mean, um, yeah, you got to use the Daleks, the Daleks, Cybermen, and Master. You got to well, use them all sparingly. Yeah. Not not just the Daleks, though. I mean, that kind of mm. way to just to surprise us somehow, mm. or like have kind of a big reveal. Like even the trailers for the Power of the Doctor. Um, I guess with Ace and Tegan mm-hmm. was. There was something there for sure. But... There's something there, and there's there's clearly a lot that that we're not seeing, but that you, dear listener, know more more than us. Yeah, true. Uh, you're like, wow, they don't even know what they're in for, and it's true. Uh, we don't. So, like, maybe maybe that proves that surprise is not dead. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and I hope that's the case. Did you? So, um, speaking of like you know, uh, canon Doctor Who and you know, in, inserting stuff and surprising things. Um, the, the mention of the Doctor's Pockets, uh, is that the first time? So the Doctor's Pockets are basically revealed to be dimensionally transcendent, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is apparently a thing in, in the books, like that's previously been mentioned. 
Um, oh, maybe. His pockets know. are literally bigger on the inside. Um, but he, this may be the first time they actually says it in the show. Yeah, but it's more of a gag here than anything else. Mm, it's mm-hmm. it, it's sort of, of course they are. Mm, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like I, I'm sort of reminded of Fort of Doomsday where they actually inventory the doctor's pockets at one point. It's just thing after thing after thing after thing. And I think they've done that a couple times in Classic Who, but the um, it, it's it's kind of like it's one of these things that's never been said, but makes total sense if if you want to believe it. But at the same time, it could just be a gag, you know, that like he just kind of <laughs> had this thing, and where'd you get that? It was like, well, maybe he's he's got a he's got a jacket. I mean, it's not like it's skin tight. It is. It's funny that um, this episode should be because I'd recently been reminded that I wanted to write a story in uh, my non-Doctor Who journalism side on uh, the problem with pockets. And mm. uh, the story was going to be called, you know, men try a day without pockets. You know, <laughs> okay. uh, see, see what women have to put up with by try walking right. around without pockets for a day. Um, and they had this whole conversation about how, you know, they, I didn't choose a wedding dress with pockets, but the doctor's got giant pockets, right? So that's kind of an uh, interesting reference to a, uh, a cultural issue that has only been brought up more since then, I think. Hmm. Like it started to kind of become a thing online for a while. Could explain um, why backpacks had a huge comeback <laughs> <laughs> around, around the same Did time. You... So the, the, the list of cultural references that, that Lance makes when he's sort of explaining why yeah. why Donna um, uh, kind of bored him so much, did those, were, were any of those like very British? I, I don't think so, right? Uh, X Factor is something, was that, was that over here? Was that just a British show? Uh, it eventually came over here, yeah, uh, okay. I'm pretty sure. And, uh, uh, but you get it. Even if you don't have uh, it, you get it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, she's... She's into reality TV. She's into mm. gossip. She's into People Magazine or whatever the equivalent. You know, yeah. like we we to, to your point, I think the word you used perfect in terms of basic. Oh, this she's mm. a basic person, which a lot of people can find insufferable. Yeah. And so, so that all all came across. And there's that um, beautiful moment where she cries about it, where she kind of reali- yeah. has this moment of realization of like, oh God, is that who I am? And it's nice, a beautiful contrast with the point where she's fake crying at the reception to kind yeah. of uh, get rid of all questions about where she's been. She starts fake crying, winks at the doctor, and then she real cries. So it's a nice callback. It's a nice sort of dramatic structure. Oh, well. it's such a good... Yeah. And I thought we've talked enough about Catherine Tate mm. here on how mm. like she's really figured out this character right from the get-go and even though she's probably a bit thicker here i will say doesn't yeah. slam at all than she is the, the donna that we love from series four but that makes sense because yes. here she's kind of had an awakening and her experience with the doctor really affects her uh and that and she really plays that affectation like well like like her being affected in that scene where she's just been ripped apart by lance and her heart has been you know slammed down on the floor and stomped on Mm. and the doctor's trying to get her to get into the idea that you're seeing the creation of the earth that no one's ever seen and she's just not having it which is exactly right you know like she's just had her whole life upended and i think this is again one of those moments rather than making her look bad it makes the doctor kind of look bad Mm. and another reminder why he needs these human connections because they have feelings and they break and Mm. that needs to be respected um yeah yeah i was also going to say that the thing that it brings up for me now watching this in 2022 
is like um I it makes me think of the the onion headline uh, on 9/11 or after 9/11 yeah uh, which was a heartbroken nation uh longs to care about stupid shit again um right. <laughs> which is really kind of what we're talking about. like that that yeah. was this stupid stuff that we were obsessed with in 2006 now Britain post Brexit like it doesn't have those cultural touchstones anymore you know mm. that the whole nation is not yeah. kind of talking about is posh pregnant you know x factor atkins diet etc like it's now there are there are two britons and they're constantly at war with each other so it's kind of a sad reminder of a of a bygone time where we had it we really had it better than we ever knew yeah and partly i think that is because of the fragmentation of pop culture too mm. and as younger generations have you know gotten older and are defining culture more it's clear that these things like reality TV and, you know, just these common, even sports, right? I mean, it's just mm-hmm. not as much of a common cultural language between everyone and because people are on their own, uh, you know, groups on YouTube or, or, or TikTok or wherever, uh, which again, if you're a fan of Doctor Who and pulled it open isn't a bad thing, <laughs> but it's also one of just a, a temperature take of the world. Because yeah, you're right. I think you said about what you said speaks to Britain, but I think mm. it's just as valid here in the states yeah, yeah. that they're just you know there might be a couple of things. I mean, even even if you think back to our time at Mashable, when Game of Thrones might have been one of those last things everyone could kind of agree on. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know if there's that many of those anymore. Like there's the Game of Thrones new show with Matt Smith and everything, but not everyone's watching that. Not even the right. whole game. Like there's just not as much we agree on. Um, other there's than not that much that we've all seen because there's too much content yeah. out there. Like yeah, the last thing know. was probably that Spider-Man movie. <laughs> <You know>, like <laughs> Spider-Man, no way home was probably it. Um, not, not even that. I didn't even see that. So that's, well, but yeah, I, I think you're, you're right to talk about, you know, Marvel in general. Like I, I think yeah. that that, that is possibly the closest thing that we have. And this kind of almost has that Marvel feel to it, mm-hmm. right? The way that the MCU sort of makes pop culture references, it kind of, it has an RTD right. feel. Like, I, I don't know much how, how much Kevin Feige, like, watched uh, RTD's seasons of Doctor Who, but it certainly feels like an influence, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, you got, you. got it has to feel real, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. the main thing. If it's just this weird other universe where things are happening that doesn't resemble the real world um it it becomes a problem and this is honestly like this is not to get too much into this aspect of the davies era but his choice to basically make aliens well known uh Mm. which was the previous christmas special and it comes up a little bit here in the context of donna like he kind of at post christmas invasion he kind of wanted to have his cake and eat it too which is to say hey this still feels like contemporary britain and has characters like Donna, who are seemingly clueless and don't really tune into the existence of aliens, except everyone knows there's aliens now. And right. like, so which is it? And of course, they rebooted their timeline time and again after that. So, you know, pick your continuity and whatever you want to do. But uh, it, it it's kind of like, I, I'm glad they tried it, but it yeah. became, as time went on, increasingly an issue that, the earth that the doctor who universe was building was not our universe. Yeah. And we sort of, we definitely see this uh, carried on in the Moffat era uh, with the whole question of like, why do people keep forgetting that they're yeah. aliens? Why did they 
keep forgetting about all of these invasions, which is something that Classic Who never dealt with, but you kind of have to now. Yeah. And, uh, and it's sort of hinted at here, was like Donna was on holiday in Spain during the right. uh, you know, attack on Canary Wharf. Uh, but she seems to know what it is because she knows she was on holiday at Spain at the time. Right. Yeah. And it's almost it's you a perception, it. it's a perception filtery kind of thing. Yeah. Where it's, you know, you see a police box, but then you forget it a moment later, right? Um, you know, yeah. and, and it's but applied society wide. Um well, it's like that uh, YouTube comment we got about mm. uh, the clowns, mm. <laughs> and uh, you know, or I, I forget if that was TikTok, but yeah, this idea that people just forget about everything, which is like explicit in the um, monks episode, mm. "A Lie of the Land," that they just you know suddenly no one, everyone just kind of wants to forget. Mm. Uh, but again, even that one is like that doesn't make much sense, you know that that it would it wouldn't come out that way. So you kind of need like credit to Moffat. I got to give him credit for at least doing an in-universe explanation for why this might be the case, which is the cracks in time. Yeah. So that, you know, we're, we're literally don't quite have a consistent um, timeline here. So, you know, people might be remembering things from another universe or misremembering them, so to speak. Right. Which and is- because that it's an interesting aspect of like, because they're not all talking about, because these alien invasions somehow aren't in the cultural conversation, like that makes it easier to forget it. Uh, yeah. because it's just too big. Your mind can't handle it. So you just kind of focus on is posh pregnant instead. Right? Yeah. And I can it's... certainly believe that more now in 2022, when like a large percentage of America is just like denying reality. Uh, you know, pick your, pick your poison, like climate change, you know, January 6th, whatever. Like, you know, people are just sort of willfully blind to a lot of things. Yeah, there's a yeah. there's there's a story to be written here probably, um, and uh, you know I wouldn't want to get too political, but it is like I think you could you could plug in your uh, Doctor Who conspiracy theory to this idea mm. that could re- resonate to the current moment. I think there's there's a story, uh, perhaps in the next season that <laughs> uh, we could talk about with this sort of mass, not hallucination, but a sort of a mass self. Uh, fooling or, or self, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know what I mean? Like the, the, you're, you're just kind of everyone fooling themselves on mass that this thing didn't happen when it really did, and it had applying that to sort of an alien invasion would would be mm-hmm. very clever and very. Are you thinking Rubin. you're thinking of Last of the Time Lords? Is that uh, we're talking about that the missing year and all that? Well, that again, that that's an in that's an in universe explanation, mm-hmm. but I'd be more like the the population of earth being very willing to forget about this particular mm-hmm. thing uh because it's convenient from a mm-hmm. um i do, you know would go against my beliefs if it did happen kind of thing um speaking of being and real... i think that i'll just say i think that's mm-hmm. an apolitical point because i think there are certainly um you know things that either the right or the left believes that don't necessarily match up with reality that can uh that this applies to mm. and you know you like you could do it in such a way that you don't have to mi- you ha- make an overtly political point out of it yeah yeah well speaking of of willfully blind uh let's talk briefly about wilf and uh who is kind of conspicuous by his absence mm, yeah right because he you know it, it he was retconned he appears in is he in the christmas no he's in the voyage of the damned 
Yes, yes. And uh, he's retconned to be Donna's grandfather after that. Mm-hmm. Now, Donna's father is in The Runaway Bride. The The actor, unfortunately, died shortly after. Yeah. Um, but but Wolf isn't here at all. I can't. Yeah. Do, do you remember if was there an in-universe explanation for why he wasn't at the wedding? Uh, if there is, I've forgotten it. But yeah, yeah. It's, I, I all kind of wonder almost, do they want to like create a Runaway Bride special edition with sort of an <laughs> insert scene with Wilf at the church or the reception, and it, be, it might come across as a little bit like the God version of Godzilla with Raymond Burr. <laughs> <laughs> wow, are... that's that's a deep cut. I love it. The deep. Um, I I just I just got a little pang for for Bernard Cribbins again. Yeah, like, you know what what a, what a way to salute him uh, would be to uh, insert that. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking kind of briefly online. I, I don't see any in universe explanation, but I feel like there must have been a line at some point where he's like, you know, oh, I didn't, I didn't want to see him marrying that Lance. You know, it just sort of feels like right. a, an RTD thing to do, uh, to, to throw it in there. But yeah, he yeah. Was, he was but I had my intended. ankle, my ankle issue, you know, <laughs> or whatever. But yeah. it is, it's a great example of, of how Doctor Who is, is flexible enough to you can do these things. You can kind of retcon a little bit. You can bring Donna back as a companion, you know, and bring Wilf back from uh, Voyage of the Damned and bring them together. Like it's, it was malleable enough for RTD to do that, which is really definitely speaks well to the franchise. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the Bernard Cribbins, I mean, it would have been an interesting alternate universe, which they Mm. began to film. I guess with um, Howard Atfield, that was the actor, right, who played yeah. Donna's father. Yeah, because uh, yeah. they actually began to film some scenes for Partners in Crime, I guess, with him, and they're on the DVD. Mm. Uh, and then uh, they they brought in Bernard Cribbins. Um, so you know, you get a taste of that here. He doesn't get a lot to do, um, but would it make a lot of difference in uh, in Donna's arc? Probably not. Mm. Um, you do get the sense that Wilf was kind of activated by you know to 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 the point of what we were just talking about before. Wilf kind of feels like the only man in London who's actually noticing that all of these alien invasions are happening. Right, (laughs) he's just actually paying attention. Uh, So maybe you know the uh, this this is sort of the the episode that kind of activates him, gets him start thinking about, starts stargazing, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and then and then actually meets the Doctor. So yeah. Yeah, here, here we go with our own headcanon. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why wolf. he was still in London. Everyone left but him because he heard from mm-hmm. his granddaughter that, hey, if anything happens, this guy's going to turn up and deal with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, we. So, should we talk about it uh, in what if the evil plot su- succeeded, whoa, or whoa, should we whoa, talk? Whoa. Or, or <laughs> I'm giving you the option here, Pete. <laughs> do, do you want do you want to turn left or do you want to turn right at this point? Uh, to, to, do we talk about turn left um, here, or do we do we wait for the four questions? Uh, let's wait for the four questions, but I don't know <laughs> if we have to wait because <laughs> I think it's time to turn left into those four questions. And I speak, of course, of the four questions to Doomsday. Yes, we need to answer them. The first one, which we've already really answered, because uh, it came up. <laughs> Why did the mm. randomizer take us here? Well, yes, it is uh, ten, ten and Donna uh, and RTD are all returning, mm. um, 
uh we uh we we added a few during <laughs> during the show which was kind of interesting that i now can't even remember but i did also want to add that we see the tardis taking off upwards at the end which is what it does at the end of uh, fury, oh, fury from the yeah Deep. that's like yeah. post he makes it snow mm-hmm. and then yeah it, that's true the TARDIS sort of disappears and and then shoots straight up yeah uh which is fury from the deepish now we know First well i was thinking happened. like before we um found found the connection between loss of companion episodes yes that was the other one yeah that's mm-hmm. that's i think the main reason but uh before we got to that one i thought the la- time flight is also a secret from the beginning of history almost mm. uh episode because it yes. goes back to jurassic world and the Zeraphin have been there and there's a concord buried <laughs> under heathrow yes. airport and this one is kind of that done right you yes, know. it's it's going from we've been here for millions of years, Doctor, to we've been here from billions of years, Doctor. Like, yeah. In <laughs> fact, the Earth is based on us, on our yeah. ship. Yeah, so no, we got that, that first. Like that, Zeraphin. <laughs> the Ragnos are the ultimate hipsters. They were Earth before it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, wow. All right. Yes, so, so many randomizer reasons. But yeah. let's get to the second question. The second question being, what if the evil plot had succeeded? And this is not as straightforward as it sounds. So the question is, is this the only uh, time in Doctor Who history where the show has actually answered the question of what is the evil plot? Well, has it, though? You're talking about turn left. I'm talking about turn left. So go on. What happens in turn left? Let's just remind the listeners who may not be Mm -hmm. as obsessive Whovians if we are. In turn left, the entire episode is an alternate universe where the Doctor dies and doesn't regenerate during the events of The Runaway Bride. The thing is, though, the evil plot doesn't succeed there because he still succeeds in killing the Ragnos. Like, the Ragnos die and are, are stopped. It's just that he, because of whatever he was doing, which appeared to be staring into the distance of that tube, he just keeps on doing it instead of Donna convincing him to leave. So um, that he dies too. I think, I think it's a slightly different outcome, isn't it? That he was, wasn't he on the Ragnar's ship, uh, the Empress's ship? Like that, that's how, like, and then the ship crashes and he was on board. Oh, no, I think he just drowned. Take his corpse away. I remember he like drowns. He, I think hmm. so. Could be wrong. Hmm. Um, I think I don't he think just there's drowned. ever any explanation of like why he didn't regenerate in that in that situation which i don't mind again i've gone on record i don't like where the do who went with regard to time lords and regeneration and essentially making them unkillable Mm -hmm. i always felt that the doctor was not invincible and that if he was straight up murdered by a gun or whatever um he he might not regenerate he even says this is when he's the fifth doctor like uh and he's Mm -hmm. regenerated into colin baker he says he might regenerate he's not relying Mm -hmm. on it like he might die. Like in other words, like regeneration, it kind of works. But like, I think if you're the damage is bad enough, you you would just die. Mm-hmm. Um, also, like if you're killed and regenerate, like it's like the whole Matt Smith thing. If you're killed again and again, and you're killed mid regeneration, I mean, surely that's that's death, right? And you said they kind of confirm there. Yes, it is. Um, so yeah. I don't like this where that where where they went where it's like oh you even if there's like a single cell or whatever you can still 
resurrect. Uh, mm. I don't know if that's they've said that exactly, but that seems to be the implication from the whole arc with Missy in the vault. Yeah, the uh, law around regeneration changes more often than we realize, and it can be changed in retrospect, which we saw with uh, uh, the Stolen Earth, right? The where we found out. Uh, we only find out in the time of the Doctor that that actually counted as a regeneration, you know, where yes. uh, Tennant regenerates into himself, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I we we shouldn't we should probably not talk about this too long because I feel like maybe <laughs> maybe regeneration law is about to change again, or like we're going to get a new example. Well, I guess at my the end point is day. my point mainly is that for for the evil plot to succeed, the Rachnos have to win. And yes. so there has to be something that happens prior to the Thames getting flooded um, mm. that helps them win. So maybe his whole remote control thing doesn't work. They capture or kill the doctor. He can't turn the tables on them. So the Rachnos emerge, right? And so mm. they're there to enslave the planet. Here's the thing, though. Here's the twist. We know Harold Saxon is prime minister. So, well, or, no, or no, no, actually, he's not prime minister yet. Excuse me. My bad. Mm. He's actually. It's- a minister of some he's he's there anyway orders from mr saxon to presumably to... a minister of defense yeah mm-hmm. right so the master's here so if the yeah. ratnos come out uh what's he gonna do is he gonna stop them and no this is my planet to invade and if they've killed the doctor mm. would that drive him kind of nuts and like because he, he's Even the guy so. who wants yeah. yeah he's the guy who wants to kill the doctor um or you know if you go down the missy route they're really friends and all that other stuff um so and at the same time if the doctor's dead he can't go forward in time to release the master at the end of series three right from his his uh his bob watch so if all that like basically Uh this is a whole paradox on, on a bunch of levels if the doctor actually dies so i think you have to assume he doesn't die but if the brachnos win then it's the doctor and the master versus the Ragnos, uh, and it's a whole different series three. Yeah, I mean, maybe that makes the events uh, a fixed point in time. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's is it ever explained in turn left, like why Donna goes back to this particular point in her sort of, because uh, it is revealed to be a spoiler alert, uh, a hallucination, right? turn left um or oh no or not necessarily like, no no no, it, no she's getting a view into an alternate universe yeah and i my impression was that universe was briefly created mm. but she was able to resist the the time spider or whatever was on her back right and because she but makes that, contact that, with rose in that yeah and that and that's all very real mm. Um, mm. so it happens it's just that it, it doesn't it doesn't uh, so like basically an alternate timeline is created and then is snuffed out Right in, in the doctor world, so it wasn't. It was more than a hallucination. Right, um, right. But they they reveal that if she turns left or if she turns right, I forget which it is now. <laughs> but I think if she if she turns right, basically she doesn't get her job at H C Clements, which mm. is where she's working here. Yeah. And she instead has sort of a local life, and we see what happens there with um, Britain getting ruined because the doctor dies in this episode mm-hmm. in, in that version of it. Which then has the knock-on effect of he's not there to to uh, save Buckingham Palace from right. uh, the Titanic. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, then it I, becomes fascist Britain and yeah, just bad oh, times God. all around. I love Turn Left so much; it really is in my in my top ten. 
um few episodes i, I love that they oh they slow down we're talking Whoa. we're talking about the runaway bride no back <laughs> i know i know back here so I anyway <laughs> that's my my version of the evil plot it succeeded is mm. that series three is totally different and it's mm. a doctor master team up against the rachnos but I like it. maybe he doesn't recognize that he's the master so mm. that's still a big reveal and then he has to go back to the to the end of the universe to find out to investigate what happened and he realizes he created the master essentially maybe, by... maybe it's a dr derek jacoby master team up like we've, oh we've, wow love it we've always wanted more of that master who we saw on screen for five yeah minutes. and he's he's done some big finishes i understand he has yeah, yeah. I, I haven't listened to them so i have no idea how they explain it because it's mm. so weird because he didn't even know he was the master mm. until the fob watch but i guess i guess we have to presume that there were times before that that he emerged for a while as the master and then went back but yeah yeah and yeah. I, I, I derek jackby is, is totally the perfect actor to 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 play both sides of that i mean we definitely saw that going what a, what a guy mm. um yeah i i like that and it uh you know we do have to deal with the, the harold saxon issue which um which i'm uh dealing with with the third question <laughs> the third question being where's the clara splinter because as we yeah. all know clara oswald was splintered throughout the doctor's timeline in the name of the doctor and uh turned a lot of the defeats into victories yeah and, yeah so i think that she is here somehow slowing harold saxon's progress towards becoming prime minister hmm. uh or distracting him or maybe even briefly placing his personality in a fob watch uh, so that he doesn't <laughs> kind of unleash hell and and he is maybe he does just think he's a defense minister for a while um until he finds his full watch again uh, uh yeah but just stopping harold saxon for just long enough until the doctor can deal with the ragnos keep him out of the way yeah yeah i like that i see two possibilities here one is that she was a wedding planner with donna and lance and made sure they got a DJ with a really <laughs> kick-ass sound system because they don't want a band. Don't don't get a band. Bands are out. You yes. want a DJ, and it's this guy's amazing. He's got huge, huge woofers. It's gonna be <laughs> awesome. The you will be you know dancing and digging it into the depths of the night. And she, they're like, okay, well we'll pay the extra for this amazing sound system. I so love it. Yeah. yeah, we we didn't mention um, we, we we said we were going to talk about the Sonic because that that's uh, another connection of why the randomizer brought us here. Beginning of the Sonic non Sonic episode, very very heavy Sonic episode, and that that is a wonderful scene. I really like that so much more the second time round. The Doctor basically he has that great line of like, don't you know if you're trying to uh, you're trying to defeat me, don't don't you know don't corner <laughs> a man with a Sonic screwdriver and a sound system. And then he connects the two. Everyone covers their ears. Um, yeah. And, and so also... it basically turns it into a sonic weapon. Luckily, the Santas were perfectly positioned. And nobody <laughs> yeah. was in that uh, field of arc, that arc of uh, fire. <laughs> for that. <laughs> Another connection with Fury from the Deep there, right? Uh, oh, yeah, you true. Know, sound being used to defeat the monster. Yes. All right. Have to get Always have your sonic with you, people. Uh, the only other thing is that, well... Maybe she busts open a bunch of fire hydrants at the end to re-flood the time, the Thames. I, I mean, I because <laughs> it's like they kind of yeah. leave it, they kind of leave it dry at the end there, but the river yeah. is gone. It's like ah, oh, okay. 
Yeah, Maybe someone needs look, to fix that there. We <laughs> spent all those billions on that on that uh, te- on the Thames barrier, and now <laughs> now we don't have a Thames. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, yeah, that's super weird. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it it is weird that that's sort of not dealt with. Maybe they're just sort of assuming like, oh, climate change, the Thames will come right. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, that that is, uh, yeah. It, someone does need to travel around in time and clean up after the doctor's mess. So this is a great way for Clara to do it. She can she can reflood the Thames. Well, it is is one of those things where like, oh, I see. Here's how we deal with rising sea levels. We just drill mm-hmm. a hole to the center of the earth, and, and, <laughs> you know, pull up the drain every now and then. It's like that's eh, all good. <laughs> no sure. problem. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll keep pumping that CO two, guys. It's all you know. Next time I interview a climate scientist, I'll be like, have you thought of this? (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Anyway. All right. The fourth question. Fourth question. The only question. The one we have all been waiting for. What is the rating of this episode? And we have a new rating within our rating system. So could be a Dalek, which means it is good. Could be an Ogron, which means it's perhaps not so good. And of course, our category for the best ever is Viscount Banger, uh, which <laughs> came is to the, us from Lollawood's uh, father, mm, yeah. the title of Lollawood's father. But just last week, we have come up with a new rating called the Professor Hater. Yes. And what is that again, Chris? I I define that as an episode that's really really bad, but you learn something from how bad it is. Uh, and you kind of you kind of enjoy it. Not quite so bad it's good, but it's like you you hate it, but you still you learn from it. Even if only, you're only learning about what Doctor Who shouldn't be, mm. you're still learning. So haters yeah, gonna that, learn. Haters gonna learn. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good description of it. Uh, yeah, I think this is definitely not a professor hater. No, it's probably not a Viscount banger. I think on first viewing, I would have said Ogron. Uh, just because oh, really? I, I really, Gosh. yeah, in 2006, I was just like, I was so, I, I think I just sort of head cannoned the appearance of Donna in the TARDIS so much that I was expecting more from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of, you know, the, the whole Ragnos thing, it just seemed so cliched at the time. Dangers but of head cannon. I know, but, uh, dangers of high expectations after a long sort of, you know, season long wait. Um, I'm talking about, uh, you know, actual year seasons, not Doctor Who seasons. Um, <laughs> but, like, you know, from whenever I saw uh, Doomsday to Christmas Day 2006, like I was yeah. probably thinking about it many, well, Doomsday many times. Doomsday was such a, such a peak. I mean, yeah. in so many ways. And, mm. you know, um, we'll get to that when we get to that. Mm. But, uh, I'm, but even, uh, yeah. I'm upgrading it now. I'm, I'm going to say this is a, this is a Dalek. Uh, it's a very Christmassy Dalek. It's got a, it's got a Christmas mm. sweater on. Uh, but it's actually it's it's sweating a little bit because it's put the sweater on in the middle of July. <laughs> so it's like kind of it. a sweaty. It's a sweaty Christmassy Dalek. Yeah. It's a Dalek. Say. It's a Dalek, no question. It's it's not a Viscount banger, although I was tempted. Uh, <laughs> my son Jack loved it. He said it was a supreme Dalek. Mm. Uh, I'd almost be willing to go that far. I would say it's kind of one of those Black Commander Daleks from the <laughs> Tartnell days. It's definitely better than your average Dalek. It's super fun, uh, makes for great family viewing, as I found out the second time around, because mm. um, I have a family now. <laughs> the second time around, and right. it was just super highly enjoyable. And again, seeing the seeds of the Tenant Tate 
pairing, mm. which I think history and certainly I have judged to be one of the best, if not the best, in all of New Who, uh, was just such a delight. It was just such a delight to come back, and I honestly can't wait to see those specials, um, yeah. however many there are. There's an interesting thing that happens when a showrun is run is over. You sort of like you, you look back on them on their content more kindly, right? I think a lot of the concern in 2006 is where is Davies going with this? Is yeah. he taking Doctor Who in a direction that is going to be, you know, un, un, it's going to be undragbackable? You know, uh, it's changing it too much. You know, when the the first, as we know it now, the first RTD era ended i think that you know we judged a lot more kindly same happened with moffat i feel like the same is about to happen with chris jibnall you know Mm, yeah once we've seen the power of the doctor then his run is over and we can look at it all and we can kind of experience it um for a second time and And we've already started to do that a little bit here with the rosa and the witch finders which both of which we thought hey better than you remember for sure for sure so and I think that's going to ha- keep happening. So, yeah, it's it's a very encouraging sign that that this uh, became a Dalek for me, and uh, and that it you know it it read better to both of us next time and a uh, second time, and it just um, yeah, it we we've, we've got such a wealth of new who to look forward to on Pull to Open, yeah, um, that it's it's encouraging that everything that we've done so far um, has been has improved. Hmm. Um, on on another viewing, and maybe maybe we'll even like fear her. <laughs> Unlikely. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe not. Um, <laughs> I'm taking it too far. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I, I guess we got to approach these with an open mind. So mm, let's mm, let's mm-hmm. let's not to be too harsh. But we're going to have to close the book on Christmas at some point because again, it's Halloween, mm. and. Uh, But we also need to take our costumes and get them into the TARDIS and start activating the randomizer so that we know where we're going next. That's right. Uh, I'm I'm walking into the TARDIS. I'm sticking one foot up on the console while pulling the handbrake and bashing it with the hammer of the other. And the hammer that we use is uh, our thing that we call the randomizer. And uh, it has two components. It has the codex and the executor. Uh, Pete, you're looking at the Codex, yes? I've got it right in front of me. The Codex. Every single televised episode of Doctor Who in not random order. (laughs) It's in sequential order, but the random (laughs) element we will introduce with random.org, the executor. What I've got here right now, random.org, is a website that uses atmospheric noise, uh, which is very Doctor Who-ish as opposed to computers, which are pseudo-random. They... uh, numbers are generated in predictable fashion using algorithms um uh, pete this is a kind of a bittersweet moment i'm about to type into random.org the number 301 for the last ever time that's right every time we do this from now on it will be 302 or more yep oh my the doctor will be our 302nd episode so uh i'm entering it's, one it's been a the, while you know like yeah. this, this has been ticking up <laughs> Ever since we started this podcast, a little bit. Uh, I think <laughs> it, only the last four have mm. been added. To, ever since we started this podcast at the very end of 2019, yes. we've only had like four episodes. Can this be right? Well, yeah. Uh, we got uh, oh, no, wait. We were doing. No, no, no. Sorry. That was right before Spyfall. I'm, I'm sorry. Because we did we, mm. we did do Spyfall so that we've done mm. Series 12 in real time. I forgot. Yes. 
Uh, but we, we we really didn't start the random era until after Series 12. So in this sort of what we might think of as the proper era of Pull to Open, we really only had four, mm. now five episodes coming uh, tonight. Uh, right. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's going to be so wild. We're going to have so much to discuss next time. But before then, we've got to figure mm. out where we're going. And Pete, do you have a challenge for the randomizer? I do. As we were talking about Tenant and Tate and mm. this great first taste of them, here's what I want. I don't want to spoil. <laughs> I don't want to get tired of them. I don't want to spoil mm. like my taste of that the, that pairing. So really, I'm going to make it easy on the randomizer this week. Take me to anything that doesn't have tenant and date or i would even say no tenant either like give me give me anything but tenant and certainly not a tenant and tate episode wow because i want to save those i want to save those for you know when they're back Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh interesting i i almost want to challenge the randomizer to take us to turn left i almost want to stock up all my chips on that one square (laughs) you've been playing roulette too much with the randomizer lately (laughs) Like what was last? What did you say last time? You you did the similar thing, didn't you? Uh, for time after time flight, or maybe what did the one before that? I don't know. The you, one you before won't... that, I said take us to an episode with Victorians in uh-huh. it, which I'm still waiting for the right. Ra- you know, if the randomizer is on its usual schedule, it's going to give us an episode with Victorians in this time. Yeah, um, or Victoria, or Victoria. <laughs> I challenged after. Uh, yes, after the deep. Um, yeah, uh, how about something else with a wedding? Oh, there's not that many of those, are there? Yeah, it could be the wedding of River Song. Could be, um, you know, it could be uh, where Donna gets married again. Mm. In uh, well, obviously we can't do Silence in the Library, but uh, <coughs> it could be Donna getting married again in uh, at the end uh, uh, in um, at the at the end of Tenants Run, right? Oh, you know what you uh, could. You could you could do the Aztecs because even though there's not a wedding, mm. the doctor gets betrothed yes. to I forget is it Kameka? I think it's Kameka in that episode. So there you go. Yes, give us a wedding or a betrothal. Yeah, love it, love it. All right, yeah, all right. Feeling confident. You want to fire this me baby down? up? Yeah. yeah. Boom, happening in mm-hmm. four, three, two, one. Unstable. One hundred and sixty-four. Oh, this is on the cusp between. Yeah, two... we know. Oh, M G, you just yeah. took us to Dalek. <gasps> wow! Wow! Oh my goodness! Oh, it's our baby. first first Eccleston. Our first Eccleston. That's right. Yes, We've never gone to Eccleston. He's like the one Doctor we haven't done, other than, of course, the Yahtzee Doctor of. Paul McGann. <laughs> Paul McGann, yeah. Yeah, but we've yeah. done every other doctor. We've done Hartnell, we've done Troughton, Pertwee, obviously both Bakers, Davison, McCoy, Tennant, Smith, uh, Capaldi, and Whitaker. Yeah. But we've never done an Eggleston episode. That's interesting. The wow. filling us in before we get to Shutigawa, you know. <laughs> wow, I can't. I can't even. I, I'm not going to say a word about that because I, I, it would just, the floodgates would open. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. so much to talk about in this episode. So much. Like, everything from the details. I can't yes. do it, man. I can't start. The, the, I will the just... writing. Yeah. Rob yeah. Sherman. I, uh, yeah. On. Oh, yes. There's All so much. And I love, I love that there's a Dalek watching over your shoulder right now. <laughs> and it's yep. been there the whole episode. It was Chekhov's Dalek. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't plan it. 
Couldn't right. plan it any better. Wow, All way right. to go, randomizer. Love it. This is impressive. Round of applause. Okay. Round of applause. Even though it didn't kind of, uh, well, it did fulfill your wish. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Definitely yeah. no betrothals in Dalek. Uh, no, although... unless you count DNA merging. that's kind of a wedding a little bit bit. (laughs) okay guys uh it's been fun talking about christmas one more time here with the runaway bride but we've got to go and uh but we want to say thank you so much for listening this is of course a podcast it's called bolt it open please subscribe if you haven't already you can also follow us on social media or at tiktok at pull to open Twitter at pull to open 63 Instagram also at pull to open 63 and uh, wherever else <laughs> you might find us uh, on pull, oh, YouTube. That's the one you yeah. go to YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash pull to open. You can subscribe there. You can also turn on your notifications to get informed whenever we put up some new content and we promise to be back next week with some more uh, talking about Dalek. Wow. Yeah, I know. I'm so excited. I can't wait to discuss it with you all and uh, enjoy. And uh, we'll see you on the other side of Power of the Doctor. Take it easy, guys. Mm-hmm.